Welcome to the Solidarity Is This podcast, an initiative of the Building Movement Project. I am Adaka Uta, one of your co-hosts, and this season we are so thrilled to examine how sites of history and memory can transform ourselves and our communities, deepen solidarity amongst us, and build towards a more just society. This episode, we are so grateful to have Michelle Browder. Michelle is a native of Denver, Colorado. At the age of seven, Michelle and her family moved to rural Rabena, Alabama in the late 70s. For nearly 35 years, Michelle has used art, history, and real talk conversations to mentor marginalized youth through visual arts and spoken word. She has created and branded art diversion programs used by juvenile detention centers in Atlanta, Georgia, and Montgomery, Alabama. Today, Michelle is the founder and director of I Am More Than, a youth empowerment initiative in Montgomery, Alabama. She owns and operates More Than Tours, a social business providing educational tours for nearly 10,000 underserved students in marginalized communities of color. Enjoy the episode. I hope it fortifies you and sparks your imagination. And some of this episode talks about reproductive violence. So be gentle with you and take care where you can. Welcome, Michelle. It is such a gift and honor to have you with us. I give thanks for your life and the lineage that you come from. Shout out to the South. Shout out to Alabama. I'm so grateful for your precision and tenacity and a lot of generosity in just making sure our legacies are told on our own terms and for all the ways that you weave our sacred traditions of cultural work to resuscitate our collective memory. Welcome and thank you. Thank you for having me. So we often begin inviting folks to tell us about your your journey, your points of entry, any catalysts that have shaped how you engage in social change work. You know, it's through my art and my zeal to want to amplify the conversation regarding Black women and healthcare, or I call sick care, and maternal health and infant mortality. And I, I'm trying to do that through um, using art, history, and courageous conversations. So as you know, this season, we're focusing on public sites of memory and justice. And I was so honored to get to visit the Mothers of Gynecology Sacred Site in Alabama that you've been stewarding for many years now. And I got to go with Auburn Seminary's Sojourner Truth Leadership Circle, which is a cohort of reproductive justice leaders. Shout out to them. They're listening. And over the last 20 years, we've all been organizing to reshape our communities to places where every reproductive decision takes place in thriving spaces that are safer, affordable, and hopefully pleasurable. And given how intertwined our work is with this public site that you're co-creating, it was so meaningful for us to be in Alabama with you and this cohort. And so I'd love for you to share a bit more about this sacred site with our folks. The Mothers of Gynecology is actually on a site that I like to talk about in terms of uh, the legacy of it. It's the legacy of my family, my father being the first Black prison chaplain appointed by George Wallace. Uh, when he heard of my vision and what I wanted to do to amplify these voices and to erect this monument, um, it really started in 2019 when I decided that I would go out and buy me a she shed. Okay. <laughs> uh, because I don't like paying rent. And at the end of the month, not own what I'm paying. So uh -huh. I, I decided 
uh, to go and buy me. You know, she said it was that whole commercial. Somebody burned down my she shed. I was like, you know what? That's what I'm gonna do. And so I went and bought this shed. And my father said, where are you going to put it? And I was like, I don't know. And he was like, tell you what. He said, why don't you call or go by the probate and ask them who owns the property next door and get that property. So next door to where uh, the organization where we would help the formerly incarcerated and unhoused and homeless people and women and children. So literally there was a lot next door to the office. And he said, go see. And I did. And guess who owned it? Hmm. My daddy. Okay. And he had no idea. <laughs> wow. So he said, well, listen, you've got an, a vision for the space and do it. And so I put the, the she shed there. I told the city it was for storage for my art, right? But when you walk in, it's like an art gallery. And so from there, the ideas grew. Of course, COVID happens the next year. So we're all in shutdown. And I'm like, how am I going to continue to eat? You don't work, you don't eat. And so I decided to open up a horse farm. That wasn't good enough. And then I thought, you know, it's time to go back to my ideas of erecting this monument to honor Anarcha Lucy and Betsy. And that's that's what I did. I During COVID, I flew out to San Francisco, learned how to weld from Burning Man artists. I came back home and I had a half head, half pair of legs, skeleton scattered in about 25 different boxes. It literally took me eight months to complete the project, but I did it and erected the mothers in September of 21. And they tell the story of the enslavement and the sex trafficking and what Black bodies and Black women were forced to do, what they were, you know, they persevered in terms of of having babies and, you know, the midwives and doulas. And so I wanted to tell that story. And with that story, wanted to create a space for healing and love and camaraderie. And it's here. Right by my she shed. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> It is here. It is here. Oh, wow. Or I should say they are here, right? Because throughout the whole process, that line, let them be born and handled warmly was the tagline. That was the mission. And so because they weren't handled warmly, we wanted them to be handled warmly. And here we are two years later, literally to the date. (laughs) Wow, to the date. Wow, that feels well. Really- actually, the date was September twenty one. Okay, um, but yeah, I want to just pause and honor and Anarka and Lucy and and Betsy and all the black women, all the folks with wombs whose bodies were forcibly experimented and punished to advance the field of gynecology. Honor that we yes. rest. Yes, and. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to thank them and, and you for just continuing this fight for informed consent, dignity, and, and the right to bodily sovereignty. This, this violence is centuries old, and it's obviously still present today in so many ways, from the increasing restrictions on reproductive justice to denying trans folks access to dignified care to the ways that pregnant folks are still shackled during birth in prisons and For many of us, we are in the fight of our lives and our futures right now. And what I see in your work and in in so many fractals in our communities, we're not settling for the scarcity of white greed, capitalistic forgetfulness and racialized violence. We are reaching back and forward to garner our tools and strategies to 
that are necessary to build our interdependent relationships and listen humbly to the conditions happening on the ground and through art, through cultural work, through organizing, building alternative, healthy and healing economies and communities that can mobilize a powerful base of people that can create what our communities need right now. There's there's just so much abundance and community that I'm, what you've been co-creating for some time, this is, your work is also the, the work and legacy of your family and just really speaks to, you know, the power and safety that we want never comes from the state. It comes from us. It comes from our love, our roots, our, our values and our resistance. I'm curious as communities are working to expose and challenge the history of medical racism across the country from the South to the North and anywhere where folks are at, how might they engage with public sites? What are some, what are some considerations? What are some invitations and how can people also come and engage with, with your own um, space as well? You mentioned birthing folks and you know, trans. I just was with a woman, a, a gynecologist this past weekend, and she is the gender. Her whole practice was built on administering empathy, dignity, and respect for folks who wanted the surgery, you know, the trans surgery. And so it's like, that's what we're talking about. Let's amplify voices and push people to a more humane set of being and because and I think that art can do that. And mm-hmm. I'm hoping at least with my monument, the mothers of gynecology, is that we're pushing for that. I don't believe in DEI. That pendulum is wounding the you know is swinging the other way. I believe in mm-hmm. empathy, dignity, and respect. And you would need DEI. You yeah. understand what I'm saying? And I so do. therefore with the monument, it's like we're talking about empathy dignity and respect, but using the history and how Black women were treated yes. and how they were dehumanized and marginalized. And, and I'm, I'm saying this passionately because I'm thinking about my own sister mm-hmm. who basically two weeks ago, we almost lost her life because she oh. had a tumor that attached itself to her kidney, to her wow. vagina and to her bladder. She's had these fibroids and they took her fallopian tubes or, you know, she had the hysterectomy. And so it was a medical mystery, but in the, in Montgomery, Alabama, they treated her like dirt. Mm. And all I could see was my life flash before my eyes. I have too much to lose, right? And uh, but it was a brown man. It was a brown surgical ER doctor that held her hand and you know rubbed her head when her white doctor wouldn't touch her. We need monuments that's going to speak to where we are right now. Yes. Can I just say that? Please and, do. Please. Yeah. Yes. And so just an update on my sister. They flew her to UAB, University of um, Alabama and Birmingham. Thank you. And I hope people hear that because they were just as kind and sweet. And she woke up from her surgery weeping, saying, thank you for saving my life. They held oh, her hand. Damn. They gave her the empathy and dignity and respect that our sick care does not have. and It's not administering to people in need. And so I say that. If we're going to build a monument in today's time, it should be one that speaks to, you know, the plight of where we are right now and create space for people to talk about it, to heal from it and or strategize or organize on how we're going to do better. Yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't know. Oh, my goodness. Please do not apologize. I mean, this is this is why your work is so necessary, because it's not just about the art and it's not just about a monument it's about breaking open the healing empathy and dignity that's necessary to transform our conditions and to keep 
folks like your sister alive, give thanks <laughs> that she is alive. Oh, yes. And, you know, she had folks who saw her body and, and treated her body with, with care on her own terms. Yes. And I mean, it's for me, it's what your work evokes. And as you said, is the, is the sacred responsibility and mandate of, you know, public sites that are hoping to transform these histories of harm that they are really mm-hmm. speaking to mm-hmm. and transforming our, our now. So I, I, I'm grateful that you said all of that, you know, cause it feels like such an invitation. It feels like a, a reckoning really, because so many of our folks are, are dying. Our, our bodies are being sterilized, mutilated, not treated mm. with care and dignity. And so more is necessary, more is needed. And Absolutely. yes. And I, I think also about, you know, how it also feels really vital and necessary to acknowledge and listen with Black bodies, with Indigenous bodies, you know, whose traditional territories that we gather in and the healing of our people, the protecting of our people is so intricately connected to the healing and protection of the earth as well. And mm-hmm. so I just offer honor and reverence to all of those intersections. So you've worked with many, so many different communities, you know, to address the harms of the medical industrial complex. And you've used so many different strategies from cultural work to you've organizing your communities as well. You, your community, I mean, your family has as well. And what lessons are you harvesting right now from your work? It feels important to lift up the stories that we're garnering from women who either had hysterectomies or lost children or didn't have children or families that have been devastated by the lack of care. We received a grant where we could collect these stories of women. Like I, when we first opened up the mothers, it was this woman who came and she just stood in front of Anarka. Anarka is like 15 feet tall. And she mm-hmm. stood there and she's looking at her with tears in her eyes. And without me even saying anything, it was just a, a moment. She began to talk about how she didn't have one miscarriage. She had two. And her need to, or her desire to want to have children, but couldn't. I don't even know what that's like. And then to have to when they died because they had fibroid tumors Mm. and the tumors choked them out or killed the fetuses. So it's, you know, right now we have problems such as my sister, the fibroids and what's Mm -hmm. killing us, what's happening to these bodies. So I, I just feel like the mandate and the call is to gather these stories and hopefully put them in some type of space where people can access them. And hear that they're not the only ones that's going through this, but then how can I seek help outside of that? Where's the information that I can get to help me through this process? And that's what we're here for, you know, creating space for healing, holistic remedies and and medicine. I don't care what you say. I believe in good mint tea, you know? (laughs) Yeah. And so on the grounds, because we don't talk about him healing uh, the natural way, big pharma has tricked us into thinking that you have to, do certain shots right. to build your immune system. And you really don't. Mm-hmm. You really need to go back to the land. So, mm-hmm. and I say all of that to say, that's what we're trying to amplify. That's what we're trying to to hopefully open eyes uh, to folks that just haven't seen it. You mentioned the indigenous and that's what really got me because those folks, they know how to take care of the body. They know what remedies you need. They know the holistic remedies that can keep us well and healthy, you know? Yeah. And so that's also a part of our conversation. 
so many indigenous folks, so many black folks who have been working with the earth to make sure that our people are surviving into the future. Oh, um, yes. 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 And I know you're growing all kinds of herbs on the campus and folks should also know about the reclamation that you're doing of J. M. Sims old hospital that you're transforming into a site and a healing space for Black women. Can you share more about that too? So after uh, September 21, erecting this beautiful monument, it was like, you know, it's great. People are coming. They want to look at it, but that's not where it ends. Right. So I wanted to create a, a, a conference where we could share the history, talk more about it, expose birth workers, you know, social workers, nurses, doctors, have everyone in the room, the doula, the midwife, the OBGYN, the, you know, obstetrics and, and gynecologists, bring everyone to the table, right? And so I um, called a few folks that I knew, Dr. Veronica Pimentel, who's an OBGYN, that really petitioned ACOG, which is the um, American College of Obstetrics and Gynecologists, to change the narrative by just having a day to reckon you know, with this history. And I was like, oh, that's great. So that needs to happen in Montgomery first because that's where the mothers are, right? And so when I heard about that, she agreed to come. Deetra Cooper Owens, professor, an educator, historian, she decided to come along with the woman who just recently worked on the case with Ben Crump, Henrietta Lacks, Mm, uh, to get mm-hmm. the justice that they deserve. Her name is attorney uh, Deliso Alford. And she she came the first conference and we had about 150 people that said that they would come. So I thought that was pretty good, you know, for our first one. Yeah. And so I called the gentleman that owns the building where these enslaved girls were trafficked and mutilated and raped and tortured, right? I called him and I said, hi, I said, you know, I would like to have a convening in the backyard of your building, the site of J. Marion Sims, father of, quote, modern gynecology, claim to fame for experimenting on these women. And his claim was that he cured uh, the vesquiovaginal fistula, which was a hole that would take place either in the bladder and or the rectum from obstructed labor, sometimes rendering these women to go through labor for, you know, three, four, five days in this hole. So he claimed that he could, you know, fix this hole. And so the space where he did his work, where the Negro Women's Hospital is literally six blocks from the Mothers of Gynecology. So I thought, mm-hmm. wouldn't it be great if we just stood in the backyard and we, you know, learned this history? Mm-hmm. And so uh, the gentleman that answered the phone said, well, why don't you go down uh, to the site now? It just so happened that the owner is there. He's waiting on some people. Just go down and tell him what you want him to do or what you want to do. And I'm sure he will oblige you. So I go down to the space, 33 Perry Street, this tall white man with gray hair, looked like Mike Pence. When he turned around, I was a little, oh my God, Mike, what are you doing? (laughs) And so he says, oh, he says, are you here to buy the building? And I said, no, I just wanted to know if there was, you know, told him what we wanted. And he says, oh yeah, you could do that. Would you need access to the building? I said, no. And he said, "Uh, well, yeah, he says, sure you could do that. I said, well, wait, 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 wait. Did you just say you were selling the building? And he says, yeah, I'm waiting on this guy. He's like, Miss Browder, we just don't want it anymore. It served its purpose. Um, we've been out of it for four years now because my staff refuses to come back to the building. I said, well, what's wrong with it? And he said, if you tell anyone, I will deny it. He said, but there's paranormal activity happening 
in the building. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, my goodness. And mm-hmm. I, I started to laugh. And he turned beat red and was straight serious. And he says, um, he said, so we just don't want it anymore. And I said, well, how much are you selling it for? And he said, $100,000. I was like, oh, wow. I said, well, I think I need this building. And he was like, oh, really? I said, yeah. He said, what would you do with it? And I said, well, create a space for doulas and midwives. Teach the rest of the history. And then I asked him, I said, do you know the history? He said, very well, very well. And he said, and I feel the presence of these people in this building. Okay. That's what he told me. He Mm -hmm. said, my staff, my staff, again, refuses to come here. And so, yes, I do know. He said, now, I've never seen what some of my staff have seen, but I felt the presence. I have felt their presence in this building. He said, so... Uh, the building is $100,000. And I said, but what's wrong with it? Is it asbestos? He was like, Miss Brown, I'm telling you, it has served its time. So I said, okay. And then once I told him what I wanted to do with the building, which was to create space for medical students to come, learn the history, stay with us for a couple of days. And, you know, nurses and all of these medical professionals should come and be in this building and to learn the history. And so he says, you know, Miss Browder, I really do like this idea. And you know how, you know, I'm just this down to earth sister. And I said, yeah. shut up, Mike. <laughs> I said, shut up, Mike. And called him Mike. He was like, wait a minute. My name is Jim. And I said, I'm so sorry. He said, who's Mike? I said, oh, you just remind me of somebody I know. <laughs> and he said, I'll let you have this building for $75,000 if you're going to do everything that you said. Nobody, you know, better could have this building. So I said, okay. And so he says, so what do you think about that? And I said, is there asbestos? (laughs) Is is, is the the foundation off? What's going on? He said, Ms. Browder, $75,000. And so I said, okay. I said, well, can I make you an offer? He said, make your offer. I said, can I give you $35,000 down and you carry the loan? Southern Poverty Law Center had just given us uh, unrestricted grant for 50,000. So I had the money on hand. Right. And so he says, I tell you what, let me go talk to my wife. Now at this point in time, I'm thinking here comes the daughters of the Confederacy. Okay. You're going to put the daughters of the Confederacy on me because don't judge me, but I judged the book by the cover. Okay. Mm, uh He said, call me back on Monday. And so I said, okay. So I called him back on Monday she gets on the phone and I just had a flashback to gone with the wind. And she says, Miss Browder, tell me what you want to do with this building. And so I started telling her, you know, the whole passion for it. And she says, well, we've just so proud of you. We've been watching you for a long time. And if you don't mind, can you just give us that $35,000 and you can have this building? You went from a hundred thousand to 35. Hmm. And I'm opening it up. I'm just going to open up uh, next month as a gallery until we can raise the 5.5 million to restore it. But that is the type of energy, the type of spirit that's just yes. been leading us. And it's only been two years. I would have acquired the building two years, February of next year. Mm. So that's what's happening. But we couldn't wait. We can't wait. You know, no. we've learned that we've learned how philanthropy works. You know, I'm an entrepreneur, so I believe in going to get it. I can get it. You know, it may take me a long time, but I'll get it. But um, <laughs> decided to purchase a camper. I, I was driving to to speak um, in Huntsville, Alabama, because it, right now the ACLU, they're suing the Alabama Department of Public Health because they are not allowing midwives to have birthing centers. They're harassing midwives 
in a maternal health care desert. There's 43 counties in Alabama that does not have paternal health care. And even the counties that do have them, they're still not giving, you know, they're not administering the mm-hmm. empathy, dignity, and respect to the patient, That's such right. as Selma. Okay. That's right. So I'm driving to Huntsville, and this is before uh, the ACLU decided to launch this website. And I had done my research. I said, well, why, until we can get the money that we need for, you know, to renovate the building, why not just have a mobile clinic, right? 131000 is what they want for it. I said, absolutely not. <laughs> Did my research. I was like, it doesn't make sense to put that kind of money when you have a building, right? So uh-huh. I'm driving and these campers, I just keep seeing these campers. And I said, wait a minute. How come you just can't take a camper and convert it over to a mobile clinic? Sis, I pulled over and I bought a uh-huh. camper out of my savings. Oh, wow. We launched it in September in Selma, Alabama. We had 45 women that beat us there, women and girls that either were pregnant or recently had a baby. They're in that one year, you know, in that one year time frame, you're still, it's still very touch and go. You just mm-hmm. never know postpartum mm-hmm. and everything is happening. So bought the camper, talked to my team, hired an administrator who knows, you know, the whole jargon, got a, a doula, an OB and a midwife that run the clinic and a nurse. I have a nurse as well. And 45 women showed up girl and girls. And one told us a story about how she had her baby. She was too afraid to go to the hospital. So she had her baby at home in Selma, carried the placenta, drove Mm. 45 miles to Montgomery, Alabama to meet with her OBGYN was too afraid to have her baby in the hospital. This is what we're hearing. One mother was walking to the store in 110 degree weather. It was hot. Had the baby in the stroller, a new baby contemplating, do we buy pampers or do we buy food? The child had not eaten in 24 hours. This is what we're doing. Yeah. So the building is there. It's there, but we can't wait. It's going to take some money to do this. So we're hitting those 43 counties that don't have the maternal health care and where the infant mortality rate is astonishing. Yeah. So I hope I'm not talking too much, but I'm just telling you. No, this is it. Yes. I mean, mm -hmm. God is leading us. The ancestors are palpable through and through with you. I mean, just the the doors that are opening, the pathways that are being cleared, the agitation in the buildings, letting folks know that they're still up in there, making mm-hmm. sure that Black women have the spaces that they need. And you are clearly answering the call. So you are such a reflection of the courage and also the, the creativity needed to turn and face the conditions that our state and our institutions are constantly betraying us. And Mm -hmm. you're saying, no, (laughs) actually Mm -hmm. y'all are doing all of this over here. We're going to be here with our people. Yes. So thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Thank you. And, and I'm grateful that you're sharing the full expanse of all of these different projects that you're working on, because I think in, in times of chaos and contradiction and crisis, it can impact our collective memory and our capacity to imagine what else is possible. And oh, yes. every single thing that you're talking about is, is an antidote of possibility that you are yes. shaping, you know, and bringing the right folks together. So I'm so grateful that you shared 
every single piece of of your heart's work, of your love and your labor. And yes, and I hope your body is also being nourished too in this as a Black woman who is doing a lot of things in the world that your body is being cared for too with empathy and dignity. How is your body being cared for with empathy and dignity? Actually, let me turn, you know, turn that back around and ask you. After I'm, what I'm learning is to give myself grace. Okay. Yes. Because, you know, we're, we're trying to raise money and, but you know, you gotta be in, you gotta be in it. You gotta, you gotta know somebody yeah. <laughs> it's, it looks like um, to get what you really need. But I just said, I started looking at everything that we've accomplished over this time. And when I say we, I mean, I do have a, a grassroots team who like handles my books and, and does all that. But when I say we, I mean the mothers of gynecology. Yes. Those women and Arca Lucy and Betsy, because you know, I was 18 years old when I was introduced to them in the postcard uh, done by Robert Tom, those 45 great moments in medicine. Yeah. And that is when I first heard their names called from the shrine of the Black Madonna that taught me everything about the objectifications of Black bodies and how Black women were forced uh, to give birth to commodity chattel, you know, the commerce. And so they've been walking with me for 34 years. Ashe. Ashe. And yeah. And so I just feel um, that I needed to give myself grace because trying to raise the money is a $10.5 million project because hmm. we do have a place for students and for people to stay. So there's more buildings on the campus that need you know, renovations and care along with the clinic. So I said, geez, we've accomplished this in two years. Give yourself grace. And I think that I was starting to apply pressure to myself to get it done in record time. So I am, that's the way I'm, I'm caring for myself is to give myself grace and say, yes. and enjoy the journey and, and enjoy to say, the journey. absolutely. And the people that I meet, such as yourself and, mm. and many other folks who are coming and taking part and being a part of this journey, your podcast. And I have to shout out a couple of people because when I got back to Montgomery, I I had to travel that week. I bought the camper, went and picked it up. When I got back to Montgomery, Alabama, (laughs) I received a phone call from a rich white woman out of Seattle. And she called me up and she said, Michelle, I've been thinking a lot about your work. I sent you $25,000 in the mail. Guess how much I bought the camper for? $25,000. Twenty five thousand. Okay. Okay. You see what I'm talking about? I see it's what those you're type saying. of things that are happening. Yep. Alignment. Alignment. Yes. yes. So grace. I'm giving myself grace. I'm enjoying, yes. enjoying the journey and yes. um, yeah, connecting with people. Yeah. That could take it further. Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. Yes. Well, I'm grateful to be a part of the village, and thanks for bringing us all together to just pour into this vision, you know, this collective vision that makes more of our bodily sovereignty more possible. I'm I'm so grateful for your life and may you receive um, all the grace that you need to, to continue on uh, the journey, which I know is, is long-term and to, to keep holding on this, this mandate and this mantle that you've You've taken on so generously. Thank you for being on. We're definitely going to be sending folks to you. Folks, if you're listening, please support, please share on this sacred work so that it can continue to live on and sustain this this necessary legacy of freedom. Thank you so much, Michelle. We do have a conference. Don't forget the conference coming up. Come on, talk about the conference. Conference is coming up at Okamusi Betsy Day of Reckoning Part 3. Part 3. None other than... 
Dr. Sharon Malone, OBGYN, world-renowned. I'm actually on the 28th, we're going to have Anarcha Lucy Betsy Day in Montgomery. And then I'm going to take folks to Mobile, Alabama. We're charting buses. We're going down to Mobile, Alabama to learn about the midwifery history, the Cotilda, the last slave ship that was found there. And then Dr. Malone will speak because that's where she's from. She's also the uh, a gynecologist, but, you know, she's married to Eric Holder. She's a part of that that drive to really talk about menopause and what's happening with our bodies. So wonderful people and speakers, Deidre Cooper Owens, Dr. Veronica Penmetel is coming back, Uh, uh, Dr. Alethea Maybank of the AMA, the American Medical Association. A lot of these people, we have some surprises for folks, you know, some of the people that are coming. Absolutely. Um, So go to the website and and you can get more information and purchase your ticket. It's going to be amazing. Uh, Charles from Four Care and Four Moms, he's coming back. This is my my core group that have been here with us from the beginning. Um, But there are other speakers that are going to be coming through to talk more candidly about what we can do. Yes. Y'all heard that. Y'all know where you need to be. We're going to drop the link into the show notes so folks can check it out and also share it with your, with your comments as well. Thank you so much, Michelle. You've given us so much. Appreciate you. deeply. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Appreciate the time. Appreciate you. What a gift to have Michelle with us sharing about her lineage of reclamation and freedom work. Please check out her work at www.anarchalucybetsey.org. We're also going to put the website and the resources in the show notes. We would love to hear from you about your own projects, projects that preserve history and memory How are you reclaiming public sites to deepen solidarity, interdependence, and healing? Connect with us and share your stories via www.solidarityis.org, where you'll find past episodes of this podcast, as well as information about how to cultivate transformative solidarity principles and stories. Please make sure to subscribe so that you know when the next episode comes out. Remember, we keep us safe. Be gentle and courageous with you and each other. Until next time.